Welcome to Flat Church Lilongwe's Inspiring Sermon Podcast, where faith meets community. Join us on a transformative journey as we explore the Word together. Stay tuned for messages that uplift and empower. Let's dive in. Yeah, Jesus, we come to you. The Lord may indeed be the center of our lives. May you be the only one that everything that we are about revolves around. That everything else we are for revolves around you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you help us to live our lives in such a way that communicates to the world that all we are about is about Jesus and nothing else. God, help us, Lord, to live that out with our very lives, Father. We honor you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please remain standing as we read this passage together in Colossians chapter 3, verses 21-25. Colossians chapter 3, verses 21-25. This is what the Bible says. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong, and there is no favoritism. Jesus, as we look in your word, we ask that May your spirit be fully present and speak to our hearts, wherever we are. God, I pray that you will speak to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So we are currently in this sermon series uh, that we have entitled, Your Life, God's Canvas. Your Life, God's Canvas. And we are looking, how can you embrace your life, how can you embrace uh, your you know, calling, how can you embrace your path as God's painting? Because the reality is that to God, there is no part of your life which matters to God. There's no part of your life that doesn't matter rather to God. Every single area of your life matters to God. You know, there are times when we live our lives as though there are certain things that matter more to God than others. So when we are in church, uh, we are praying or we are speaking God's word or we are preaching. That's, those things matter to God. But then when you are in a classroom, when you are doing business, you're like, no, that doesn't really matter as much to God. But actually, that's not the picture that God has for his community. God's picture for his community is that every single thing we are doing, every single thing we are saying, wherever we are involved in, that becomes an opportunity for us to actually glorify God, that all things essentially do matter to God. And today I want to you know, speak to us on this theme, Christians in what we do. That we are not just Christians by word or by name, but we are Christians even in what we do. And this passage that you know, we have read this morning, you know, te- we will challenge or does challenge us. What kind of attitude do I need to carry when I'm in the praises of powerful people? And what kind of attitude do I need to carry? I'm in the presence of powerless people, so to speak. Uh, so Paul, yes, yeah, speaks to parents. He speaks to slaves. He speaks 
to the power of people. You know, anybody, uh, this is, you know, for you. You know, have you ever looked at a person that they have something and you look at what they've got and what they're doing with what they have and you're just like, if I had that, I could do a better job with that. Ever done that? Right, yeah? Like you see, you know, some of you look at your bosses, you're like, what a jerk. If I was, if I was the one in that position, I would change things. I would make this company better, you know? Or maybe you're moving around, you're seeing these companies and you're like, if I was in that company... And I was the boss in that company. I would do this, I would do that, I would do this. Yeah? And then there are those of us that make a budget on someone else's money. You know, you see them and you're like, how? I cannot believe he bought a car. I would have built two houses with that money. Like, dude, you're making a budget on someone else's money. But isn't it funny that the people that do not have power actually have a better idea of how to use it? Yeah? Like, the... If you don't have it for some reason, you feel like I actually have a better idea on how I could use, you know, power. And there are moments in our lives when we feel powerful. Uh, we feel powerful maybe because of the things we have or the status that we've got. Or we feel powerless, which happens quite often, maybe because of, you know, things that are happening in our lives which we cannot control. Or we feel powerless because we lack certain things in our lives. But the reality is that there is a powerful God who is at work within us. There is a powerful God who has deposited his power in you. And Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power or according to his power which is at work within us. That in you, there is power, like God has deposited power within you. Now, the power that's within you is not there to make you powerful. You know, the power that's within you is actually there to change you, to transform you, to make you become more like God's son. That's what that power, you know, is there for. And it is from this principle that Paul writes this letter to the Colossians where he is like, there is a God who is working in you. There's a power in you. And I want to invite you guys, whatever stage of life, in, no matter in whose presence you're in, I want you to live your life as though there is a God who is working mildly in your life. So in Colossians 3 verse 23, he says, whatever you do, Wake at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. For you and I, or for these people that Paul is talking to, for them to really do everything with all of their heart and to work as though they are working to God, they need to realize that God is doing work in them. So Paul's message here is, go do your work because God is working in you. Go do your work because God is working in you. God is at work in your life. So therefore, you can go and do your work as if you are doing it to the Lord. And that's the only thing. Hey, go create. Go create because God is already creating something in you. Hey, go do your business well. With all of your heart as if you're doing it to the Lord because God is already working in you. He's already working in you. 
And when you embrace this reality that God is already at work with me, this is going to change how you view power. It's also going to change how you use power because you have a different view of power now. You have a different view of how you could use you know, power in your life. Now, I just want to dive into a couple of truths that we see you know, from this passage. Uh, truth number one, do not, do not let your power influence your attitude towards the powerless. Do not let your power influence your attitude towards the powerless. Verse 21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Or they will become discouraged. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, one of the things that Jesus Christ was good at, or he was actually doing, was to shrink the power gap that was there between the powerful and the powerless. You know, so you see Jesus, he's teaching, and then there are these kids that want to go to him. You know, and there are these people that are blocking that kids. Like, no, you are powerless. Don't go to this powerful master. But what would Jesus do? He would invite them to come, sit with them, and in fact, maybe even let them sit on his lap. That wouldn't happen for normal rabbis in that time because Jesus was all about, no, we're going to shrink this power gap that's there between the powerful and the powerless. Or here's a woman that we caught in adultery. We have not brought the other partner, but we caught her in the act. So we are demanded or commanded to stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus says to them, hey, whoever has not sinned, throw the first stone. And they let her go because all of them were sinful. And Jesus, guess what? He never condemns her. In fact, he forgives her and gives her freedom. Because Jesus is going to bridge that power gap that's there. He's going to shrink it. He's going to shrink it. Oh, they were living in a society where women would be treated as property, where women would not be allowed to actually gain education. But Jesus, we find him sitting, and at his feet there is Martha and Mary, and they are learning from their master. Jesus is like, we're going to remove that because we're going to shrink that power gap. So when you are a follower of Jesus, you need to make sure that your life is never being driven by the power that you have, but by the Christ who is in you. When you're a follower of Jesus, you should not let power take a driving seat in your life. Because when you let power take a driving seat in your life, you will treat them through the eyes of your power rather than through the eyes of Christ. And that's not the way of Jesus. In other words, do not let your position influence how you treat other people. Do not let the gifts that you have in your life influence how you're going to value certain people or how you're going to value people in general. Do not do that. Do not do that. So Paul here says, hey, be careful in how you relate to your children because they might actually be discouraged. You are the powerful one and they are powerless. And watch this. Watch it. Jesus says, watch it, because actually their the emotions matter. Their emotions matter. When you only see people through the eyes of your power, you can say whatever you want. And however they feel doesn't affect you, because what matters to you is that they feel your power, or they feel your rage or your anger. That's what matters, you know, to you. But Paul says, no, 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 you got to watch it, because they might be discouraged. Now, I don't think like, you know, for... 
for children, they, they, they would be just like, oh, I'm discouraged with my dad. I'm just discouraged today with my dad. I think it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. How many of us actually, you know, have, we relate to, uh, you know, to God the way we related to our father. Or the picture of God that we've got is the picture that we've got from our father. You know, I sit with a lot of young people, even in this community, that when we say that God is your father, they actually struggle with that uh, just because they never had a better connection with their fathers. They never had a better connection with their dad. Their dads never presented a better picture of God to them. So they are like, I cannot relate to what you're saying because I see my father and you, you're talking about your God, but I cannot really relate you know, to that. So we, Paul says, you got to be careful. Now, Paul is not saying do not correct your children. You know, Paul is not saying, hey, do not, uh, you know, discipline your children. That's not what he is saying. But there is a way that you can correct somebody in a way that is going to build them up. And there is a, a way that you can correct somebody in a way that will crush their spirit. That will crush their spirit. And there are some of us that the people we looked up to, you know, treated us in such a way that crushed our spirit. That sent a message that you don't matter. You know, there are some of us, somebody we looked up to, treated us in such a way that crushed our spirit, that sent a message that you, you are not worthy of celebration. There are some of us that sit here that someone we looked up to treated us in such a way that crushed our spirit, that sent a message to us that you're not worthy of love, that you're not going to amount to anything. We do more damage when we treat people only through the eyes of our power. We do a lot of damage. But when you let Jesus determine how you treat people, how you treat the powerless, it's going to bring restoration. When you let Jesus determine how you treat the powerless, it's going to bring healing. It's going to build beauty out of that. So Paul says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Because when you treat people only through the eyes of your power, you only, you only see people for what they could do for you rather than for who they are to God. That's what's going to happen. You're only going to see them through the eyes of what can you do for me and only treat them because they could do this thing for you. But rather than to see them that they matter to God. They were created in the image of God and they matter to God. So how do we, how do we sort this? What's the remedy to this? And I have one proposition. The proposal that I have you know, for you, for you to avoid treating people only through the eyes of power and not through the eyes of Christ is you have to be aware of your power. Be aware of your power. You know, the best way to live a life that presents to the world that you're not going to misuse the power that you've got is actually to be aware of it, to be aware of your influence. Now, there are some of us, if not maybe, I want to say all of us, because we love God and we are so good, all of us, right? You know, all of us actually want to relate to people in a way that we don't want to have these power gaps. You know, we just want to relate to people in a way that, hey, I am the same, you're the same. I know you're selling tomatoes, I'm in my car, but come on, we're the same here, we're all human beings, and we relate to people in that way. And most of us probably are in that category, that we don't want to 
live a life where other people are being influenced by our power, by the things that we've got. But the problem comes in when we're actually not paying attention to the privilege that we've got. The problem comes in when we don't pay attention to the privileges that we've got. Uh, I remember, you know, maybe, what, 15 years ago or so, I was a student at African Bible College, and um, I was kind of like in this little gang with friends uh, that we were like everywhere together. And then we had this friend of ours who was American, underline the word American, uh, who was working, underline the word working, uh, who had a car, underline the word car, right? So he, he was better off than us because we were students and he was working, uh, but we had this great connection, this relationship that would do stuff together. So one day, uh, he says to us, uh, hey guys, let's grab some pizza. And we're like, what? And we're students, come on, we're eating beans and stuff like that. We're like, what? Let's do that. Let's grab some pizza. What are we doing? He's like, terrific Tuesday, baby. You know, we go to Pizza Inn, buy one, get one free. You know, he picked us up in his car. We go there. Uh, this is before Gateway was there, actually. You know, the Gateway wasn't here. Uh, so we go to the other side, and we eat pizza, and we're having fun. Great time together. And then at the end uh, of this, it's time now to pay. So he's like, oh, guys, uh, so what we would do is we're just going to split the bill. And we are like, what do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean split the bill? Uh, he's like, oh, because, you know, oh, he, so he pulls out the bill. This is the bill. Can we just all just like make it, you know, even? And we're just students. You know, we had no money. Uh, so we say, it's not happening. You are paying. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you are paying because, first of all, we were not there to discuss of where we're going to eat. We were not there to decide that, you know, we're going to eat pizza today. You are the one that invited us, you know, to feed, to eat. So you, if you invite, you pay. That's, that's, that's the rule in Malawi, you know. If you didn't know, that's the rule. You invite, you pay. You got to feed us, right? Uh, you know, he paid. And that ride back to campus was long. You know, it was very awkward. Uh, but then I think he went to find out from his friends who are veterans that have been here long, they're like, yeah, you're in a different space. If you're going to invite somebody, you're going to feed them. Uh, and that relationship was you know, restored, thank God. But if you're not aware of your privileges, you're actually going to do more damage you know, uh, than actually be helpful. You, know? um, you meet a young person in Malawi who has been out of work you know, for a year, or maybe they've finished college, they have not worked for a year, and you're like, what are you doing just sitting around? Just go find a work. Just find a job. In Malawi, it's not as easy as that, right? You're definitely speaking from a place of privilege. So we got to be aware. We got to be aware of our, you know, privileges. We got to be aware. And the people who end up abusing their power is because they were not aware of that power. So when you're in a conversation with somebody who, uh, you know, whom you have authority over, be careful how you're going to, talk to that person because you might end up talking to them in a way that will crush the spirit. Be careful how you're going to give feedback to somebody who is in a way below you. It could be in a company or wherever you are. Be careful how you do it. Do you know that sometimes people just say yes to something which they don't really mean but just because they're just so scared I might lose my job so I just have to say yes to whatever that is. 
So we got to watch out. We got to watch out for our influence because if we are not paying attention, we're going to misuse our power. We're going to misuse our influence. So therefore, we need to watch out. We need to watch out. Now, there is a way that you can treat people in a way that communicates that they're only there because they contribute to your status. There's a way that you can treat people which says that they're only there because they make you who you are, you know, in a way. So it's like, hey, you are here because you contribute to my status, not because you matter, not because you're a person who's created in the image of God. You are here because you affirm my status. You are here because you affirm who I am. That's why I keep you around. We're going to watch out that we don't treat people that way. So pay attention. Pay attention to your power. Okay, the second truth that we see in this passage is do not let your powerlessness influence your attitude toward what you do for others. Do not let your powerlessness influence your attitude towards what you do for others. Verse 22 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, this is a hard one, eh? Because he's talking about slaves and you're just like, wow, that, that, that's hard. How do you tell a slave to be like, in whatever you do, like he used the word like obey, like just do it, no questions asked, right? Like just go do it. And sometimes it can feel like, you know, the Bible, scripture actually condones slavery. You know, it can feel like that. But that's not actually what's happening in this passage. Now, I've got to say right away that slavery will never be promoted by Jesus and it's, ne- it's never a way of God. These guys would do things with the information that they had then. Remember the Bible is actually written to a community, a group of people. And Paul is writing to a group of people. And probably there are some people here, there who are slaves and have come to know Jesus. And they're like, how do I live my life as a slave but who follows Jesus? And that's the community of people that Paul is talking to here. And you and I, we can never ever create an environment where slavery has to thrive. Because not only are we going to be in sin, but we're going to be a danger to humanity. And that's not a way of God. But I want you to just get the real message or the message that Paul is trying to present you know, from this passage when he talks to slaves. Paul's message is this. Do not, do not let anyone's power control who you are. Do not let anyone's power control who you are. Someone might be in control of a situation you're in, but you cannot give them the power to control who you are. Your boss can control your job situation. But you cannot give power to your boss to control who you are. Only God can define who you are. They can control your working conditions. But they cannot control who you are. Only God can control who you are. Only God determines, only God defines who you really are, you, because your identity is in Christ, not in your boss. Your identity is in Jesus. So Paul's message here is that you have been bought by the blood of Jesus. You are children of God. 
and this is who you are, and there is no boss and no situation which should control who you really are. You should not change who you are because you're working for someone else. You should not change who you are because you find yourself in a certain situation. Let God define who you are. So how are we going to do that better to not let other people control who we are? First of all, you need to remember that your meaning is never found in what you do, but in Christ. Your meaning is never found in what you do, but in Christ. Paul's invitation here is not that he's saying there are certain kinds of jobs which are more glorifying to God than others, or God loves certain kinds of jobs than others. No, no, no. Paul's invitation is for people to never allow their identity be defined by what they do. They're in Christ and they belong to God and God should define who they really are. For when a believer is unfaithful, when a believer cheats, it could be their job and whatever they do, or maybe in business, the tragic thing is not that their boss is going to experience a loss. No, 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 no. That's not the loss there. The tragic thing is that when a believer cheats, they actually misrepresent who God is like. That's the tragic thing. When a believer is not faithful, is unfaithful, they misrepresent who God is like. So do not let your work define who you are. Only God. Let God define who you are. Don't find meaning in what you do. Your meaning is found in God. And in fact, because your meaning is found in God, therefore you bring meaning to what you do. Because your meaning is found in Christ, therefore you bring meaning to the things you do. That's the message of God. So we got to be careful. we got to remember that our meaning is found in Christ, not in what, in, what, in what we do. Number two, to do this well, we have to acknowledge our powerlessness, but we need to let Christ live in us. For a slave to still be faithful, and they have to recognize their powerlessness, because they're actually in this situation where they're powerless. But the only way where they can avoid that situation, not to lead them into despair, is, is when they give it to Christ, when they say, I cannot do it, but I want you, God, to work through me and in me and with me. And it could be some of you are here. You're like, I cannot create the life that I want to create. I cannot change this person that I have in my life. I cannot get everything that I want. Recognize that powerlessness, but go to Jesus and say, may you work through me. May you work through me. Okay, how can we practice this? How can we apply this? Practically, The first thing that we need to do is to change our attitude towards service. Change your attitude towards service. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Not for human masters. I think we need to begin to see service as a creative process. Because often we only see service as a way of giving up something, you know, from us. We only view saving as I am giving something, you know, from me. Uh, we are laying it down. But actually the invitation is that not only are we going to see service as something we give, but also we're going to see service as an expression of who God is like. We're going to serve in a way that will communicate to, to the world the expressions of God. This is who God 
is like. So in other words, when you save, you are actually creating images of God that other people would not have seen otherwise. Through your service, you create images of God that others would not have been able to see. Through your service, you create an image of God's love that someone else would not have been able to see. Through your service, you create an image of God's kindness that other people would not have been able to see. Through your service, you create an image of God's goodness, God's beauty, God's forgiveness, God's compassion through your service that other people would not have seen. So we need to change the attitude that we have towards service. It's not, we're not just giving. We're actually expressing. We're expressing who God is like to the world. And what a beautiful thing that people can experience God's beauty through us. Number two, see power not only as an opportunity to take, but see it as an opportunity to give what you can. See it as an opportunity to give what you can. The thing that is going to determine if you will use your power well or misuse your power is going to be around what you believe of where power takes you. What direction do you think power you know, takes you? For some of us, we look at powers, you know, something that we've got that's going to open up doors for us. Um, or maybe it's going to you know, give us certain privileges. And that direction, whatever direction you've got that you think power takes you, is going to determine if you're going to use it well or if you're going to abuse it. But what if we started looking at power as a tool from God that God has given us for us to do good in the world? What if we started looking at power as a tool from God that he has given us for us to bring healing in the world? What if we start looking at power as a tool that God has given us to start bringing restoration to the world? You and I are actually called to do good. We are called to do good. We are not just called to look good, but we are actually called to do good. But I, give, I have to give a warning here. There are times when you can do good because it looks good on you. There are times when you can love people, not for the sake of loving people, but because loving them makes you look good. So you can share a story. Oh, look at me, the things that we do. Oh, look at our organization, the stuff that we do. Because it looks good on you. But God's invitation that we can honor our God and do good because God is working to bring healing to the world. Because God is working to bring his kingdom into the world. His kingdom which brings about restoration. His kingdom which brings about healing to the world. So how are you going to use the power and the privilege that God has given you? If you're feeling powerless, how can you see yourself? How can you live your life in a way that nobody would determine who you are but only God? That maybe they can be in control of the situation that you're in, but they're not really in control of who you are. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Some of you maybe already see where God is calling you to live a life that's honoring to God, to live a life that helps you to glorify God in whatever you do. And maybe for some of us, we are being called to surrender. Maybe for some of us, are being called to express who God is like better into the world. I don't know where you are. Or maybe you are just feeling powerless right now. 
how can you still live the way God calls you to live even in that situation? That's God's call in your life. We just take a moment to just pray for yourself. Wherever you feel like God is calling you, whatever you feel like God is inviting you into, just, just pray for yourself, for God's help for you. Just take a moment. And you could be here this morning. You could be here right now and you have not really crossed the line of faith. You have no connection and no relationship with Jesus at all. And maybe you cannot even relate to what we are talking about, that God lives in you, that his power resides in you. That cannot, you cannot relate to that because you don't have a connection with God. You have not given your life to Jesus. If that explains you, I want you to just pray a simple prayer. Just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Just pray that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Just pray that simple prayer. If you don't have that connection with Jesus, if you have not really given your life to Jesus, just pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. And if this is your prayer this morning, I want to pray for you. If this is your prayer, I want to pray for you. Maybe just raise your hand where you are. If you have prayed that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me my sin. If you have prayed that prayer, I want to just pray with you. Praise God. If there's anybody else, just lift your hand. Yeah, praise God. Jesus, I thank you for these brothers and these sisters, Lord. I thank you, Father God Almighty, for you are inviting them to experience you on a deeper level. You are inviting them to take a journey that's better than the journey that they've been on. So God, I pray may you affirm your forgiveness on their lives. I pray may they have an encounter with Jesus in ways that they never had. I also pray, Father God Almighty, that your spirit, may you help them that they will lead a life that honors God. I thank you for you are good. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. May we give honor to our God for our friends who have responded to Jesus. We're going to have our prayer counselors around. Uh, if you have prayed a prayer, responded to Jesus, or if you need prayer for anything, it could be something that we've spoken about today or just something that you're going through, feel free to go to any of these prayer counselors and they are more than willing, more than happy to pray with you. May we stand as we worship God one more time.